And our program continues this morning. Joining me in the studio, as they do most, not all, but most Wednesdays, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. Welcome, gentlemen. Morning. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well, thank you. We're just be- before we broke there, we were talking about uh, the state of Colorado. And I want to ask both of you gentlemen about it. From I know you have different perspectives on this topic, particularly. Uh, and on a couple of others as well, as we've seen over the years. In the state of Colorado, Jeff, if you break into my home, and I have even an inkling that you might harm me, not even seriously, I don't, even, I don't have to be in fear for my life, but you're in my house uninvited, you're there for some nefarious purpose because you're uninvited, um, if, so long as I'm confident in my mind that I can convince a jury that, uh, that I thought there was some possibility that you might harm me, it's basically carte blanche. Uh, if I have a baseball bat, I can smack you over the head with it. If I have a gun, I can shoot you. If I have a sword, I can stick you with it. And again, provided I can convince the jury that I believe there was some cause for concern, not that you were going to kill me, not imminent death, not imminent dismemberment, just that there might be some level of physical harm uh, brought to bear against me or any other occupant in the house under my protection, then I have carte blanche to do whatever I think I need to do. Um, Ontario and Canada, as we mentioned, are significantly different than that. Uh, as a lawyer, when you look at that, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? In Colorado, the, the, the rationale for it is that stay out of my house. Uh, well, I, I think that it's a bad thing, although I guess all I'm being is the usual uh, justifying our system. I used to be a radical lawyer in the old days, and I, <laughs> I used to rail against the system. Now I just defend it all the time. <laughs> but I guess I'm middle-aged. What can I say? I, th- I think it's a good thing. And I recall that uh, this law came in in Florida within the last couple of years as well, and I remember seeing some of the debate about it. And uh, the... Um, in fact, I remember in law school that uh, there were cases involving, I believe they were called spring guns, and there were actually cases on people who had rigged uh, shotguns to their doors, so with a string, and when they pulled mm-hmm. the, opened the door, a shotgun went off and killed the intruder guy. Um, so th- this is something that, uh, that comes up from time to time. I believe that the way our law is now is they say that you're certainly entitled to use reasonable force to to stop anybody from doing anything. So you're entitled to use reasonable force to stop somebody from robbing your house, for instance. They don't have to be uh, attacking you or anything else. You can use reasonable force to subdue them. To subdue them. Um, so it would always be a question of what is reasonable in the mind of a jury. And you may recall that within the last year there was a case in London where a um, fellow robbed a uh, gas bar out in the East End, yes. and uh, he um, then was sexually assaulting the... The, uh, the clerk, clerk, yes, and her boyfriend showed up, yeah. and beat the living daylights out of the guy, yeah. and uh, there was a charge laid at the time against the boyfriend, and he was subsequently acquitted by a jury, and uh, I recall the police chief saying, "Well, you know, he he didn't stop, like he didn't subdue him, he didn't use reasonable force, he just kept a wailing away, mm-hmm. and that went beyond what we consider reasonable." And so once you've subdued the guy, once he's on the ground not moving, you should stop kicking him. But but the jury, as you noted, the jury acquitted him. Yep. And very readily, I understand. Yep, yeah, without any hesitation. So so people shouldn't assume that in Ontario your hands are completely tied. Uh, in that case, there's no question that uh, the, the, the part of the 
the part of what the boyfriend was doing that got him in trouble was not the subduing. It was the keeping wailing away afterwards. And yet, uh, you know, uh, uh, 12 jurors good and true thought, well, you you walk into a situation like that, you're raping a woman, you get whatever you get, and you can't complain about it. So I think that there's an element of kind of uh, common sense, if you like, or, or an element of community values that still strongly comes into play, and, and no court is going to interfere with that. Bob, what do you make of this, the argument uh, in Colorado and in other states that have enacted this and other jurisdictions, that it really is, is just an updating of uh, the man's home as his castle, and within those four walls, uh, you're the king, and anybody who enters uninvited uh, does so at their own risk? I've always supported that in principle, but certainly you are, you are held accountable for your actions, even though you have that right. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm glad you said you have to convince a jury, like, yeah. the, like the person who's taking that kind of an action. But, um, uh, you know, I, the term reasonable force always disturbs me to some degree because it seems to me that if someone's attacking you, you have to use a superior force, period, if you're going to be able to bring them down. And whether in the heat of the moment you know whether you're exerting enough just enough, or I mean, you're not enough, just enough, or mm-hmm. too much, is not always easy to ascertain. You know, I mean, the guy might look twice your size, but be half your strength. That that can happen. Yeah. Um, so, to me, the idea is you, you have to give, to me, the benefit of the doubt to the homeowner, to the, to the person whose property is being defended, and certainly you have to take into consideration certain basics. Obviously, you don't keep kicking somebody if they've already been subdued. The act of self-defense has been completed. Mm-hmm. You've so defended yourself. You've defended yourself. After that, you're not defending yourself anymore if you're kicking somebody who's down. Uh, you know, then again, you see the bigger, how that just counters the trend we see in so many jurisdictions in Canada where you're not allowed to defend yourself. Um, you know, we don't realize how bad it is. We're not just banning guns. We're, we're, we're banning the use of mace, things that can be non-deadly but, but threatening, uh, banning tasers, things like that, uh, all sorts of other things. Uh, they're all banned because they're, they're self-defensive weapons, and I think that's the wrong about, way to go, too. Uh, say to both of you, the argument about, uh, you know, you got to stop when he's down. Um, there are lots of people who, and, and many of our of our listeners may have, have read material that I have, self-defense material and so on, that says that, that down is not out and that as long as the person poses any kind of threat, that simply, you know, knocking somebody down, put uh, immediately eliminating well, the threat. Well, by not down, I mean subdued to some way. If it looks like he's getting up again, you don't stop. I mean, but uh, let's not take that too literally. Down, I mean, he can't get up or, yeah. you know. But, but you're, it, not it, it, you're right, and I, and I think that uh, juries and certainly judges would take into consideration that hindsight is twenty twenty. It's always easy to analyze any emergency situation after the fact and say, well, it would have been better if you did this than that. But uh, there, there's a long tradition of saying, "Hello, we realize that when you're woke in the middle of the night, you're disoriented. Something's going on. You're terrified. You got kids in the place. You know, you're not at your best, and you can't go back and dissect everything that you've done with a with a, a scalpel. You have to say, look." You acted in good faith, figuring this is what it takes. And, and I'm struck by uh, something you say, Bob, which is quite true. I recall when I was on the um, the police board, I got to do a ride-along one night with uh, Murray Faulkner, and we stopped at a, uh, a place, and there was a, um, a suspect, uh, a guy who was up to something, hiding in a bush, uh, I recall, and uh, the police went looking for him. And uh, I recall that uh, that uh, the police followed him. He ran around behind a building, and, and Murray said, stay with the car. So I stayed with the car, and I, and I just crossed my mind for a second. What if he runs out around the other side and back towards the car? And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> so it's like 3 in the morning. This guy comes running at me and, and this police car, and I'm just standing there, civilian whatever. And uh, anyway, the guy came, came running up, and he was a big guy, way bigger than me. But luckily, he was looking behind himself and uh, came running along, and I just screamed at the top of my lungs, Stop! 
And he did. I think he was so shocked to find someone there. And I took him by the arm. And meanwhile, by then the police caught up with him. But he, you know, he he went quietly with me for that time. Well, you'd but, scare me too if he yelled at me. Yeah. Well, I wondered what I could yell. Anyway, uh, long and short of it was, I was terrified. <laughs> but having said that, shortly after that, the guy decided to get Rammy, and he took on like half a dozen cops. And he was a big guy, and it was all they could do to subdue the guy. So it's like you know, he was quiet for the moment, but he wasn't going to stay quiet. And uh, you know, so a standard where you say, well, he was quiet for an instant is mm-hmm. by no means the end of the story. You're right. So unless you're tying him up or something to subdue him, then you, you're right that uh, a jury would have to take into consideration that down doesn't mean out. Uh, so, and again, I don't think that in Ontario we're, we're too, um, I, you know, you hear the odd horror story where somebody does something in, in defense and gets in trouble, but by and large, for the most part, I think our courts are quite practical about this kind of thing. And I think that what happened last year when the gas bar was fairly typical, where the police felt they needed to lay a charge because clearly the guy had gone beyond self-defense and beyond defending someone else, um, and the, essentially the police put it to the community and said, where do community standards lie? And community standards lay very clearly saying, if you decide to rape somebody, then you're going to get whatever you deserve, uh, and we're not going to look, you know, we're not going to trouble ourselves about your, about what happens to you. Left, right, and center is Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz with us today. I'm Jim Chapman. This is the News Hour, and we will be back right after these important messages. Uh, back with Schlemmer and Metz on Left, Right, and Center. I, I, I did a little thing on the TV show last night, a little quick little editorial about, about <coughs> telling the truth. And I said that when I was a kid, I was taught that a little white lie to spare somebody's feelings was maybe not a bad thing. But, but much beyond that, you're pretty much, you pretty much ought to tell the truth. That's just the best way to go. Sometimes, though, the truth will turn around and bite you on the butt. And we're going to see that, we are told, on Sunday on the uh, Super Bowl, when there will be ads running that will feature excerpts from the leader debates, leaders' debates for the Liberal Party, when Mr. Ignatieff and... Uh, and, uh, and Mr. Dryden went at Mr. Dion very heavily for his uh, alleged failures on the environmental front and, and really ripped him. And apparently, I didn't see the debate, but apparently he got quite angry and it was very heated. And Martha Hall Findlay finally had to, had to cool him out and say, gentlemen, 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 please. Well, the Tories are going to run excerpts from that on Sunday. And uh, it's provoked a certain amount of controversy about whether they should be doing this, whether are these attack ads, which we don't generally favor in this country, uh, or is it just fair comment? These are This is exactly what Ignatiev said, exactly what Dryden said about Mr. Dion, who is now positioning or trying to position himself as the uh, environmental savior of the country, and I don't mean that in a disparaging sense, but certainly uh, many of the commentators thought that was one of the reasons he won the leadership was he was seen to be the most uh, credible on environmental issues and it was felt that that would be huge in the next election. Uh, I'd just like to get your thoughts uh, whether, whether this is appropriate, whether it matters, uh, uh, or is this just a classic case of the truth coming back to bite you? Bob, what do you think? It's great entertainment. Pot's calling kettles black. I mean, that's what it all boils down to and people love watching that. Uh, it's wonderful to catch someone inconsistent on their uh, principles when they're when that's what they're selling to you and mm-hmm. they want you to buy. We, we're hearing that dramatically right now over Harper over the environmental issue. When before he was speaking the truth and now he's on board with Kyoto and certain things like that, or so we're told. And on the other hand, I saw those quotes on the part of um, Dion and some of the liberal people criticizing each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a great technique, by the way, because what you are able to do is uh, criticize the other 
party without the words coming out of your own mouth. You use theirs or you use the words of, of journalists. We did that in the last election, by the way, Freedom Party, mm-hmm. and that triggered the election mm-hmm. when we put 130,000 uh, uh, pieces on Ernie Eves in the National Post, and uh, an hour later the election was called. So, uh, and it was a very negative piece uh, as far as, but we didn't say anything. It was all, we just took quotes from the media mm-hmm. saying, and this guy, you can't trust him. He doesn't know what his policy is from one day to the next. It's the same thing over and over and over again. So, you know, th- does truth come back to bite you? Don't, don't lies come back to bite you? I guess not in politics. Only the truth bites you in politics, eh? But lies, you can keep, <laughs> just keep spooning them out, and people will buy them over and over and over again. But you tell one truth and get caught on it later, that's the end of your career. Uh, politics today. <laughs> Jeff, uh, in a, in a what nutshell. do you think? <laughs> Well, I, I think it's interesting in that it's a, it's a um, acute move, if you like, and I suppose it occurs to me you could do this after every leadership um, uh, race because, by definition, you're going to have uh, people within one party criticizing each other so that they can become the leader, and it's surprising to me in a way that I, I haven't heard of it happening before. I, I was a bit interested that, uh, that, uh, that, the, that they're putting him on for the Super Bowl because I was kind of thinking, well, I don't know if your average Super Bowl watcher is the, is the greenest person out there. I don't know how many tree huggers actually watch the Super Bowl. But is this about tree hugging, or is it simply about about saying you can't believe these guys? Well, I don't know because uh, I I saw one of the ads, and and to me, I thought that the most uh, memorable part of it wasn't so much what the other two were saying. And, and this is a bit different from the Harper letter in the sense that Dion is not contradicting himself. What's happening is that two other senior liberals are saying, you know, you didn't get the job done. Um, but I'm wondering, like, on the one hand, whether your average Joe who doesn't know who any of these people are is going to appreciate that, oh, this is two senior liberals, uh, and if so, whether the message will really matter. But I thought that the most interesting part was that Dion looked, to me, quite flustered, and he looked a, a bit peevish and was clearly kind of fighting on his back, and that I think that's the kind of visual image that the uh, Tories would like to p- portray for Dion, that he's this kind of bookish, uh, professorial guy, and he can't take a punch, and he's not kind of a man of the people. Uh, that, to me, was the most memorable part of it, because the other part I'm thinking is that for anybody who knows who Ken Dryden is and, uh, and knows who Stefan or who Ignatieff uh, is, they're probably uh, also aware that these came from the leadership campaign. They probably aren't really going to think that, again, on the substantive issues, that, uh, uh, that the conservatives are more green. Uh, so in a way, you kind of wonder, well, why are the conservatives picking apart the liberals about the environment? Um, when they say you didn't get the job done in 13 years or whatever, well, Dion was only the minister for less than a year uh, at the end of it, so he really didn't have a chance to do anything about but it. But doesn't that... Get what job done? There's no job well, that's to get Nobody's done. gotten the job done. <laughs> and the, the Tories are saying they're going to get the job done, but it's going to take 20 uh, years. Yeah, right. So on the issue itself, didn't get the job done, that really doesn't mean much. They're going to change the temperature of the sun, are they? Well, to me, the most important <laughs> thing, again, as I say, is the visual image of Dion looking all crumpled. And, and again, I think they're right that first Im- impressions are strongest. And is, this an, is, this, him is this an attack? Se- I haven't seen any. You've seen one of them. Is it an, would you classify it as an attack ad? Well, it's an attack ad in the sense that it's an attempt to make him look like, um, like a crybaby, I would say. Uh, but it's different than some attack ads in the sense that it's true that the conservatives don't say a word. There's no commentary from them. Well, traditionally in the States, if you look at their attack ads, they'll say anything. I mean, the, some of the claims that are bandied about in American elections just absolutely make your hair curl. They couldn't possibly right. be true. The people would be in jail if they were true. <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's not know, like that. So it's not. It's not. No, uh, it's, it's here's Ken Dryden saying to uh, to Dion, and he's not saying you didn't get the job done. He's saying we didn't get the job done. So uh, again, what does that mean? Did anybody expect that the environment would be fixed 
today, nobody expects Some people that. will read that as a positive. Yeah, that's an honest admission. You didn't get the job done. You got more work to do. Could be. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so, so it's a little experiment on their part, and I guess there's no harm in it from their end of things, but whether it'll actually help them, I don't know either. I, I think they're being playful, frankly. There was a, a story that, that I have confessed on the air that I missed a couple of weeks ago. Somebody sent me a thing about it saying that there had been a poll that showed that uh, Canadians were, were far more uh, appreciative of the prime ministerial uh, uh, I can't say potential because he is, is the prime minister but when asked which of the two is likely to be the better you know would you rather see as prime minister aside from political issues mm-hmm. just which of the two men that apparently Harper finished way 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 ahead of Dion and I had not heard that but uh, this would seem to be building on that base if in fact that base is there yeah but mind you on the other hand uh, I think two years ago uh, people thought of Martin as being way more prime ministerial than Harper uh, one thing about Dion is that he's kind of caught in a bind in the sense that he's been a cabinet minister for quite a while but as a cabinet minister you're expected to, to be loyal and toe the party line and to stay in the background you know the prime minister is the point person so you, you have to keep a somewhat low profile and in fact if you don't if you're somebody who's out there pushing yourself in the media and so on you run the risk of running afoul of the Prime Minister as not being a team player. So to make the transition from being a uh, behind the Prime Minister photo op guy to I'm out in front and centre is one that's a bit tricky to do. And But having said that, I think that the, the Conservatives are quite right to to look at him and say, you know, he doesn't seem to be that charismatic. So if we can kind of box him in and define him as being a whiner guy, um, and suddenly Harper is Mr. Prime Ministerial guy, um, you know, that could work. Uh, and one thing about Prime Minister Harper is that he, I think, has defied a lot of expectations in the last year by looking like a statesman-like kind of guy for the most part. Uh, you can't take that away from him, although I've always said that you can't underestimate him, that that over and over and over again he's done what people have said was impossible. Have either of you read the uh, excerpt from Jack Granitstein's new book that was in the Post yesterday? And, and no. I guess today... No, I'll probably get today. into it in a week or two with my <laughs> newspaper clipping. Well, he's got a new book out about, uh, basically about Canada's mil- military unpreparedness, and the excerpt that was published in the Post yesterday had to do with a uh, major natural disaster in Vancouver and a couple of days later a minor terrorist attack in Montreal and Toronto but that the combination of the two basically broke the back of uh, of, uh, of Canada's pretense that we can look after ourselves um, th- he's a very outspoken uh, small c conservative kind of guy Granite Steen uh, an esteemed historian in this country this book for, cer- for sure will make the Canadian bestseller lists um, and it's an attempt obviously to put defense spending um, on the front burner where the environment seems to be hogging the whole front part of the stove right now um, not having read it I realize it puts you at a bit of a disadvantage but do you think that this kind of campaign will have any resonance with the Canadian people do you think the Canadians are are as aware as Granite Steen and some other people are of just how woefully unprepared we are for almost anything no, I don't think it will have resonance, and I think that the momentum is going in the other direction, that people are, are losing their faith that Canada is going to win the war in Afghanistan, and people, again, to some extent were influenced by the United States, where um, the House and the Senate have now been taken over by the Democrats, who are essentially not backing uh, President Bush on staying in Iraq. I think people are getting tired of the war, and I was interested yesterday, I think it was Richard Gwynn who, who wrote a column about why the environment, why now, and he said that uh, he thinks that people are looking for a cause that they can feel good about and they can start to think oh I'm doing a green thing here you know it's he said it's kind of an idealism similar to the human rights movement similar to the even the anti-communist movement I'm standing up to communist tyranny around the world so he because I'm amazed that within a year the environment is suddenly the big issue I just don't know how that happened 
Um, and uh, I really well, you know, I have to it's say, it's interesting hearing you say that yeah, because well, I'm uh, delighted, but I'm also amazed. Well, I have to say that there, the, the one of the big polls that was out two or three weeks ago, and we noted this very carefully. A headline in the paper said environment number one concern to Canadians, but when you actually read the poll numbers, 19% of Canadians identified it as their number one concern. Uh, that was the highest of, mm-hmm. of any concern out there, which I thought really kind of militated against this idea that it's an overwhelming issue for Canadians from coast to coast. Only 19% identified it as and, a, as and a don't key issue. You know, you can't even turn to the Weather Channel anymore to get away from the propaganda. They've got David Suzuki on there constantly pushing his... Uh, global warming thesis and that you should not eat meat one day of the week and you should all the strange things he comes up with that he thinks are going to make a difference to to global warming but you know the lies that are being sold are are just beyond my belief i got to tell you you know i heard suzuki being asked you know there's people that don't agree with you on global warming you know he says oh that's just one or two scientists they're just over on the kooky fringe meanwhile that he dismisses 17,000 scientists who signed the Oregon accord against kyoto that's 17,000. Okay, let's give or take a 1,000. You think the other 16,000 might be worth a mention somewhere? Well, it must just kill Stephen Harper, because yeah, you I'm know. sure that he still believes what you believe, and, and yet yes. he can't say it. <laughs> well, that's, that, <laughs> so, so he's, what he's doing is reading polls that say there's a lot of these religious people out there, and I be, I'm, by that I mean secular religion and environmentalism, uh, who believe that, uh, look, they can take a fact. Yes, the world's warmer now than it has been. That is a fact. So is Mars. So is the moon. I mean, the National Post just uh, clipped, I got an article right here. Look to Mars for truth on global warming. And they're finding the, the ice caps are melting there, too, because the sun is in a high cycle. And when it goes the other way, we're going to see the opposite weather in a big hurry, and we'll all freak out about, you know, <laughs> the ice age coming again, right? So who are you going to believe? I mean, and, and, and is anything that you can do politically ever going to change the weather or the cosmological well, environment it's not about changing in which we're that, in, though. It's know? about changing the political environment. And when you've got committed people and the, as you refer to them, the environmental ah, So what is it they're really after? If it, we already know they can't change the weather. So what is it they're after? Well, perhaps they think they can. Well, no, my obs- I don't my think obs- so. <laughs> my observation would be that many of them genuinely believe that we can make a difference Look, and we should make a difference. Here's the problem with the whole concept. There's no way to measure the results and not even a way proposed to measure the results. But the argument is, well, not now, but in 50 years we'll see that we'll see them. Nonsense. We won't have to measure them. Yeah, that's that's what every classic liar will tell you, because it's a win-win-win situation. If the, if the temperature goes down because the sun's temperature goes down, they'll take credit for it. If the temperature goes up, they'll say, we're not doing enough. We've got to do more. We've got to take more. If the temperature stays the same, see, we're doing just enough. You know, they're going to win either way. It's not just global warming, though. <laughs> like, I think people are, are generally kind of conscious of maybe we should try and have less garbage maybe we should try and use a bit lo- less energy and well stuff that's like that. that's natural in an economy and that's yeah. what you know this an- the, the global warming thing is an anti-capitalist movement when capitalism is the only system that will save the environment it is to the benefit economically of any company to reduce the amount of energy they want for the pu- for output. They want to minimize energy input for maximum output. That's how the marketplace the works. is the only party that's going to say that anymore. It while, is for a while. Oh, that's and for it sure. How long it lasts? And uh, well, we're not going to. We're not. The laws of nature aren't changing because pol- politicians change, and they're all that's on the same thing. bandwagon, running after the same herd of lemmings. It's one thing that I wonder about is is whether the environmental interest has legs or not, or whether it's a trendy thing that's going to pass. 
uh, when people, you know, when they start to really buy it and the government says, okay, now you're only going to get one gar- bag of garbage a week, for instance, or whatever, where it yeah. really hits and the And road. your gas is $5 a gallon. Yeah, exactly. And your, and your heating costs have doubled, and, and there are more deductions at work because your company has to do this and that. And then watch your, so then watch your environment go, go to hell, because look at what happened in the Soviet Union when Western capital started pouring into the Eastern nations after the fall of the Berlin, Berlin Wall, etc. They had rivers that were so polluted, they, they, they would start on fire, mm-hmm. you know? And Western businessmen, we're not going to invest money there. Forget it. You aren't cleaning your environment. Whereas here, our rivers have been getting cleaner over the past 30, 40 years. I remember in the 50s in London, you couldn't stand three miles and upwind of the Thames River, and no, it wouldn't knock no, you out. I've made that point in the show before. When I was a kid, no, you weren't allowed to swim oh, in the Thames. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You wouldn't put your toe in the Thames River. And, and the air quality has improved. Our cars are cleaner. Our technologies are cleaner. You know, To run a DVD player requires one one-hundredth of the energy of a VCR, for heaven's sakes. So we should be rushing the other way. You know, But uh, no, they're not looking at that. They're going to pump money into those parts of the world that are really polluting the world the most right now. But again, it must really frustrate people who are in the Conservative Party right now who can't hear that from their leaders, and they're not going to hear it, and the leaders are going to go totally in the opposite direction. And the, and the problem for them is that even though Stephen Harper may believe all that stuff, if he if, the, if there's a peep of that out of him, it, it will just play to people's... Uh, Worry, or if you like, or whatever, that he really isn't a moderate, middle of the road guy. He really remains. Don't know uh, if I blame it so much on him as on the fact that we're in a minority government situation. Well, isn't it also too? Also too, isn't it also? And this is problematic at every level of democracy when you get people who are one issue voters and one issue candidates. I mean, we live in a world, complex world with many, many, many issues. And yet in so many times, so many elections, it will come down to one or two key things and a great number of people vote based on their feelings about those one or two things and ignore everything else. That's right. So it would be very interesting to see if the Harper government became a majority government, what if the Green initiative stayed there? Because they just don't seem like a natural fit. Uh, Greens have 10% that we're told public approval right now. No seats, of course. Either of you care to hazard a guess as to how they might do in the next election? In a general election, I don't think they'll do that well. They might get the odd one riding where they have a nice nice return. But uh, generally, unless, of course, the NDP abandoned ship because that's where you've got your strongest anti-capitalist vote right now the, the labor movement didn't work in destroying capitalism the environmental movement might so you move over to there and that's why you're seeing kind of a shift gentlemen you can't hear it, but the boys are playing in the background i want to thank uh, jess lemmer and bob metz for joining us today uh, and i say this every week but i mean it every week it is always a pleasure nice to have you here it's always fun jim if you've got questions comments uh... if you've enjoyed this presentation visit justratemedia.org for more programming that's not right wing It's just right.